0: We, we kind of started this podcast as we'll, we had this idea of like, all right, Brett, back it up. We've known each other for almost 15 years and we got into the habit of meeting multiple times a week and just hanging out. And every time we met, we just would share some sort of a problem and talk through a solution. So uh, in these COVID lockdown times, we uh, decided to kind of come up with our own solution to having this us time, and we decided to make a podcast. What are your thoughts on that? Give me your story. Why did we start this podcast? Your perspective.
1: Yes, I mean, you, you and I have been friends for over a decade, close to 15 years at this point. Um, you know, we, We've always kind of had this natural approach to spotting Uh, problems in the world and then using our own backgrounds, our own unique perspectives and lenses to come up with ways to try to solve those problems. Right. So it was very natural. It was very cool. And kind of like what you said, we were able to always meet up and then just kind of talk through these things for, for an hour or two. And many times we we would see that, you know, that these ideas would get built later on. Uh, Some of them, are still incredible ideas, but we just don't have, you know, the, the, the time or the team, you know, just kind of natural constraints that come with, with any idea, really, right? It's, it's, it's always, is there enough time to build it in our schedules? Do we have enough money to build it? Do we have the right teams in place? So the reason, I guess the primary reason for wanting to start this podcast was thinking at it from that perspective, right? What if we took those constraints away? What if we shared these ideas with our community, with our listeners, and really expanded our reach rather than just holding on to these ideas to ourselves and not giving them the true opportunity to get developed, to be out there in the world, to benefit other people? Um, And I'm also seeing a very large move, especially across social media, specifically across Twitter, of people being much more comfortable with sharing ideas and putting their thoughts out there into the universe for feedback. And to me, that's really the right approach. You know, we, I, as a society, a lot of people just really try to hold their ideas close to their chest um, in the fear that someone will develop it before them and they won't have opportunity to bring it to life. And I don't think that's the right approach. And I, you know i I think you you'd agree with that right it's, I, as everyone says ideas are a dime, it doesn't, and it all comes down to execution, so I want to give people the opportunity to listen to ideas that they may may not have previously thought of, and then if they have the time, the money, the right team, and the drive to bring it to life it'll it'll benefit us as a as a society so that's that's really my goal for for this um, and i guess on on another note you know we've always had this belief in our society and in venture capitalism specifically, that the person that thinks of the idea is the one that has to bring it to life. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. And it'd be interesting to test and reframe that perspective so that we're no longer tied to the belief that the same person that thinks of the idea has to be involved in launching it and bringing it to market and growing the company. You know, at the end of the day, I believe that we can have two parties, right? The thinkers and the executioners, right? It's it's these two sides of the coin that can work together and focus on their own pers- um, respective strengths, right? And by throwing the ideas out there, just talking through it with our listeners, with our community, we'll naturally develop more perspectives. We'll have more inclusion. We'll have, we'll give people the opportunity to kind of poke holes in these ideas, really talk through them. And if they have the motivation and the drive and the ability to bring it to life, that's awesome. That's really what we're, what we're looking for. So, you know, we encourage our community to dive in, choose the ideas that you're interested in, comment on them, ask questions, let's flesh it out together. And if we all work together as this kind of global community to provide solutions, to talk through them, we'll all benefit as a society. So that's, to me, that's that's one of the biggest drivers for, for wanting to launch this podcast. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I, I think it, it, it'd be more, I, I believe that people naturally have Ideas. Um, they may not be able to, and these are ideas that are that are unique to their own lives. Kind of what what they see, what what they think, is an is an impediment to, you know, a, a great customer experience or something that, that they just wish was handled better in whatever they experience throughout their daily lives. So that person will be able to come up with an idea, and it's like, wouldn't it be better if? And then another person can actually think through the business plan. How do you grow this as a company? How do you develop the actual product? What's the business plan? What are the revenue streams? You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be the same exact person that does that whole 360 solution, right? I believe that it, it could be two individual people. And the reason I brought up venture capitalists is because they do expect that the person that's pitching them is the one that came up with the idea and has a plan for how to execute it Uh, what the exit strategy will be you know really thinking through every single angle but we're really missing out those people that do have good ideas but may not necessarily think through every angle so this podcast gives us an opportunity to kind of connect the two right so if if people are like are seeing the ideas that we present and they have the team in place you know like if it's an app and they already have an engineer in place they have a project manager they have a designer a copywriter that they you know they all work really well together and all they're missing is an idea. They'll be able to grab one of these ideas, have us talk through any, you know, through any of the of the strategies or any other input that we can provide. But at the end of the day, I would really like them to go out and build that idea, right? Rather than just keeping it in our heads as like, yeah, it's a really cool idea, and then seeing it three years later getting built out by someone else.
0: How would seeing an idea that we speak about here make you feel compared to like, if we never even started this podcast and we didn't put any of the ideas out, do you feel like there, it would like, I don't know, make you feel better that we put that idea out there?
1: Not only would it, would it make me feel better? And I I think that the angle that you're trying to get at is, uh, you know, kind of receiving due credit for the idea. I believe it's a, it's the, it's the right thing to do and the kind of moral thing to do if someone hears an idea on a podcast or from someone else and they are given permission to go ahead and run with the idea to just later on give credit to the person that sparked the idea for them, right? And I don't, and I don't think that that's an unfair approach because people have plenty of ideas. You know, how many things did you see on like Shark Tank where someone's like, oh, I came up with that idea or I thought of that 10 years ago. Okay, yeah, but how much is that idea really worth until you actually execute it, right? But one without the other can't really exist. So it's what we're trying to do is connect these two parties together where the person thinks of the idea and rather than waiting five years for someone to build it out, they present it to that person today. That person grabs the baton, rolls with the idea, brings it to market. And as a society, we benefit as a whole because there's better products out there. There's better experiences, Um And it just makes more sense to, to share more ideas because the more people share things with each other, the more they can see things from different perspectives. They can, um, many times it can actually spark new ideas. Right. And you kind of, you have the snowball effect where you can start with one and then build on it and then develop something completely brand new. But you, you miss out on that. If you just try to hold everything really close to your heart and not share it with other people.
0: Sure. No, I'm like the angle that I was actually coming at this was less about recognition and more about um, because we've experienced this before where, you know, three years later, we see something and the first thing we say is, well, we thought of that. Um, And then and then you, you put yourself in that shoes and you're like, well, damn, that's actually a really good idea. If we ran with that, where would like we could potentially be there today, but we're not there because we didn't run with it. And now that we are sharing these ideas, uh, the way that I'm thinking of this is like, we see something three years from now that an idea that we had, but this time we shared the idea. And now instead of you laying in bed going, that could have been me. Now you think, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they did hear it from me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it,
0: I, I think that as
1: a, Society, we're becoming much more connected to each other, and there, there is obviously, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, there's a huge push for more inclusiveness, right? For different perspectives, whether it's um, the, the type of people that you hire, um, the type of problems that you try to tackle and solve. I, I've, always, I've always pushed for that, that you know you can't have the same kind of homogenous group trying to think and solve through ideas because you many times won't be able to think through it um, or, or, look at, or look at the problem that you're trying to solve from a perspective that you haven't experienced. You know what I mean? So like if you're trying to solve something for senior citizens and you didn't survey any old people, it's really tough to predict every single problem that they would see, right? This is where the customer feedback loop is very important. And it comes into play, um, just like if you have, you know, a um, so like I obviously I, I come from a marketing background, and if you have a creative team that's just all white dudes, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to get perspectives and um, you know the, those those very unique and different lenses that women can provide, that that uh, people of color can provide, and all of that. Um, leads to a much better product. It leads to a much better TV spot. It leads to a significantly better customer experience overall because so many different backgrounds were involved in developing the product. So by putting it out there and letting people from all sides be able to poke holes and like talk through it and see, well, have you guys considered this or have you looked at it from this perspective or this angle? Um, I think that the ultimate product, regardless of who builds it, will be significantly better than if just, you know, two people worked on it on their own. And, but at the end of the day, it also comes back to those constraints, right? Time, money, team, we can have a hundred ideas a year, but we're not going to have the time in the year to actually build out a hundred ideas. Right. So stumble have to get sacrificed.
0: That's true. All right. Um, All right. So let's just jump into some ideas from, from this last week. What do you got? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind?
1: So let's, let's just use this as an example. So like you and I have historically gone to Steinway in Queens many times to smoke hookah or just to, to chat. Uh, but the point is we, we, we like being regulars at a, at a place. And I personally like when I arrive somewhere that if I'm ordering the same exact thing over and over again, that it's prepped for me, that I don't have to kind of go there, wait to be... Um, spoken with by a, um, a, uh, a waiter and then waiting for the hookah to arrive, you know, like it, if we're going there with the intent and we, with the same intent and we know exactly what we want, wouldn't it be better if we were kind of catered to as regulars, right? So it's essentially like, let, let's call the app uh, served, right? It, it lets you have your table set before you arrive so that you're not waiting. Right. So obviously the target market is regulars, people that know what they want. They're essentially ordering ahead of time. And it's really filling that gap for people that crave efficiency and don't have time to wait. And from the kind of business perspective, the reason restaurants don't want to have customers reserved tables is because if, they, if that customer doesn't show up, they'll lose money on it and they can't seat someone else in there because they're hoping that the original customer will actually show up and fill that seat. But if they pre-order their food or their item or their hookah, whatever it may be ahead of time, then the customer is happy because there's no delay. Their food is ready. You're recognized as a regular, which is very rewarding. And then again, from the business side, if they pre-order their food ahead of time and they don't show up, they'll still be charged for the order. So that, business will benefit regardless of whether you show up or you flake um so yeah that's to, to me that's that's very interesting and and obviously it works when the situation of like Steinway and hookah bars but it was also works anywhere else right if we're talking about something like lunch times where there are long waits at restaurants you're not coming in to pick up food you're coming in and you're skipping the line because you already have a reservation your food is pre-ordered Uh, So you're able to take your 30 minute lunch break and really maximize it and make it super efficient. You come there, your food's ready, you eat it, you bounce and you remove the risk for the business. So that's, that's the first idea. Thoughts?
0: I think it's interesting. Um, So a little bit of insight. I worked in the restaurant industries from the age of 15 until 22, 23 as a, busboy, a food runner, a waiter, a bartender, a barback, a uh, bar manager. So I, I kind of have some thoughts on this. So I, I think what would be, I actually, I'm going to clarify something first. So I go on the app, I reserve a table similar to open table saying that I'm going to be there at seven o'clock, let's say. And then it gives me the opportunity to also, uh, the, the ability to, to place an order and have that order ready when I get there. Is that is that pretty much it? Like the order is is ready when I get there.
1: Um, I, I I would say the actual logistics of it are, are are skewing more towards yes. If you arrive at the time that you say you'll be there, your food or your item will be prepped and ready for you. And the money is essentially you're you're charged and it's put on hold essentially in an escrow account and. If you add more items once you're there, your tab just grows and then your final tab is charged. If you don't show up, then the initial items that you said you wanted to be ready by the time you arrive there, uh, you'll be charged for those
0: items only. I think what would be interesting to streamline this process would be like where where a lot of people, I guess where a lot of time is wasted is uh, waiting for the waiter, having the waiter come and take your order, sending it back to the kitchen, um, and then they start on, on that order. I think streamlining this, and this would also reduce the risk on the restaurant, is if you walk in at whatever time, let's say you reserve the table at 7, if you walk in at 7 o' 5, whatever, it's not a big deal. Um, as you're being seated, the uh, the hostess or host or maitre d' or whoever's at the door sees that you've made the reservation and you've placed an order. They can ask you at that time, is your pre-order still correct. Do you still want what you pre-ordered? The answer is yes. Then they would have the ability to fire your order. So sending it to the kitchen, sending it to the any prep workers so that as you're being walked to your table, your order is already being prepared. So that ensures like the food is fresh. The restaurant's not wasting any food if you did order any food uh, or drinks or anything like that. Um, and the wait time is significantly reduced. And now the first time the waiter comes to you is not hey, how you doing? Welcome. What can I get you? It's, hey, how you doing? Here's the order that you already ordered. And then the same thing. I think the money should be within the app, uh, all handled through the app, and you should be able to add to your order. Those two points, I think that's, that's actually really good.
1: Yeah, and we've actually tested this idea. And, and uh, I remember you and I went to, went to Steinway. We saw the owner outside. He obviously recognized us because we're regulars. He knew what we wanted. We confirmed that that's what we wanted and we ran down the block to dunkin donuts and got our iced coffees and by the time we came back our hookahs were there waiting for us and i don't know about you but i was very satisfied with that experience and it actually stuck in my mind on a very personal level with that particular hookah bar that's kind of been the experience ever since you know if they see us outside they actually prep it right away it's just it's not even a sentence anymore that we communicate with each other it's just a nod and they know exactly what to do um And that's and that's very cool. And but when you add other things like the example that I gave of like a half hour lunchtime, um, you maximize that experience uh, on for both the business and for yourself. And you can go back to the office. Um, So. So, yeah, it's it's I don't know if anybody's doing it, but it is a very interesting problem. And it's it's a unique solution. I like it.
0: Yeah, the nod is real. But one hundred percent, the nod is totally real. Like, there's there's a coffee shop that uh, in, in Queens that I would I used to go to all the time. And when there's a line, I would you walk in, you wait online, you look at the person behind the register, they you you lock eyes, they give you a nod, you give them a nod, and that's your your regular order. Mine was an iced latte and um, a medium iced latte, and before I even was able to pay for it, it was, it was in front of me at the cash register. And I think it's, yeah, it's like building reports, going to a place consistently enough and not being, you know, because there are definitely people that are regulars who are scumbags who do not get the same nod or they get a different nod.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, you're, you're, you nailed it on, um, you nailed it on the head or you hit the nail on the head um, with with the report, right? It does build that relationship, and I think psychologically, because you have that, you're almost increasing the chances of a positive experience every single time. And the more positive your experience, the more likely you are to come back. So at the end of the day, it benefits the business, it makes the customer happy, and it makes the entire process much more efficient. And that's very cool. You know, that that's really, and that's and that's a perfect example of kind of what what I was talking about in in framing up this this podcast where. We think of ideas that make experiences better. And that's that's really why we're doing it.
0: So yeah. Yeah, no, the more I think about this, the more I, I like the idea of replacing the initial interaction between the waiter and the table. Because I was I used to work at the Smith in the East Village as a as a bartender and on Sundays the, the Sunday brunches were just ridiculous. So anything that you can also reduce foot traffic in that space would be incredible. Uh, You've got waiters on top of each other, bus boys, food runners, you know, uh, at a restaurant at that level, you, you do have those three uh, positions literally on top of each other, cleaning tables, running food and, and seeing what people want. And then you have the host hostess and uh, a floor manager running around. So you've got like six people all running around all for like the same tables. And it is kind of ridiculous. So this does remove the initial step and it also removes the final step of paying you can decide to to pay on the app as well and just just bounce whenever you want. Yeah,
1: and I guess since we're fleshing it out a little bit more, I mean, we, we've had several ideas where we kind of spoke about simplifying this process of um, checking in, checking out, paying without involving the waiter. So it's it's a very interesting field. Uh, what's really good here is that not only do you digitize on both sides the, the payment, you know, a customer gets a receipt, the, the business knows exactly what they're getting. You're able to bake in the process that Square uses where you're um, able to tip, you know, like 10, 15, 20%. And we've seen across the board that people, you know, even for like a $5 cup of coffee, because the option is, um, you know, like the UX is made in a very specific way. It's it's to optimize the, the tips that that person receives so you could actually bake that into this, right? You'll, instead of leaving, you know, a a couple of, a couple of dollars for, you know, like a a $20 hookah, um, this will, it's my opinion that, that people will leave a higher tip. Um, and it also gives you the opportunity to build a reward system right into there, you know, like to reward your loyalty, to thank you for being a regular customer. And you're able to see, your account grow, you know, you're able to build up additional rewards, which, which incentivizes you even more to keep coming back to that place. So there's a lot of opportunity for it. Um, but even before we get to the business model or, you know, really talk through it, the, the fundamental experience is dramatically improved. And that's, and that's really the, the main takeaway.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and on your point for, for, for tipping too, that's like the bone I have to pick for, uh, with, with Seamless is that I live three blocks away from Artichoke. And then the order ends up being like $30, $40 for, for a pizza and whatever. And then it says like 15, like the default is like 15 or 20% as a tip. I'm like, you have to walk three blocks. I'm not giving, <laughs> you, I'm not giving you like $8 to walk. I was a pizza delivery driver too. And I was lucky if I got two bucks and I'm driving all over the place. So I, I see that now and I'm like, damn, these guys got it good, like they're making way more than I was making. And it's guaranteed, like you are going to make that. I feel like a scumbag if I go in and then you, 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 you take, like sometimes you're feeling a little cheap and you want to like see, okay, what's the difference between 10 and 15 and 20% and you realize it's $2. And then you're like, well, all right, the price looks so much more. It's like 56 versus 54. But you're like, do I, if I, if I leave 10%, do I get a worse experience? (laughs) Um, are they going to throw it over the fence and, and run away, or not come to my door? So, mean, I mean, because they see that they know what the default is. Yeah,
1: I mean, since you since you brought up the, the that topic, I think that fundamentally the way the tipping system on Seamless is set up is broken. You should not be giving someone a tip before your experience has, was completed. You know, before that food gets to your door. If your pizza arrives and it looks like someone just shook the life out of it, you should not be giving that person 20% and you should be able to go back and edit it. It's it's always felt wrong to me that that companies like Seamless force you to choose a tip beforehand. Otherwise, if you choose not to do it in the app, you're kind of required to do it um, through cash, right? Right at the door which has its own problems you know most people have, have switched over to credit cards uh but also in, in times like these during covid you don't really want to be exchanging cash that's
0: a, that's yeah that's a good point
1: point. and there you have it idea number one episode one we're your hosts max Erzag and nick trombukas thank you so much for listening We'd love to hear feedback and your thoughts on the idea of serve. You know, poke holes in it. Where do you see the flaws? What are the opportunities? Reply on Twitter. Email me at max at And don't forget to check out the show notes below. All right. Till next time. Bye.